Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts, I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And this is part one of our series of the 9-11 attacks. So pour yourselves a strong cup of fire department coffee and let's dive in. Our number one has been stabbed, and our five has been stabbed. I am going to call from Washington. I am in a situation with American Eleven, a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Problem, very erratic. Betty, talk to me. Betty, are you there? Betty. Betty. What? Seven thirty-seven. What? The world. Who are you talking to? Oh God! Oh my God! United One Seventy-Five, New York. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here. Two of them. Yo, this is Ryan. Uh, on an airplane. That's been hijacked. The thing is going so well. I'm looking good. I just want you to know, I absolutely love you. I want you to do good. So happy this time. Uh, thanks to my parents and everybody, and I just totally love you, and uh, I'll see you later. Bye, babe. On September 11, 2001, 19 militants who were associated with an Islamic extremist group named Al-Qaeda hijacked four commercial airliners and attacked the United States. Of these attacks, two planes went into the World Trade Center Twin Towers in New York City, one into the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, and one ended up in an open field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. From these attacks, nearly 3,000 people died, and it is known as one of the deadliest attacks on American soil by a foreign country. I want to preface these series of episodes on the 9-11 attacks with a little disclaimer from Erica and I that... There is just so much information and so many stories because so many people were impacted by these attacks. So much so that I guarantee we're probably going to miss some stuff and not cover the amount of stories that are out there. So we always provide our links and our sources. We encourage you all to go check them out and look outside of it. There's obviously been a ton of documentation on these attacks that cover them from various angles and we just recommend you check them out. These attacks were brought on by Al-Qaeda, a terrorist organization that I had mentioned earlier, and the head of this was a Saudi fugitive named Osama bin Laden that I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. This was allegedly in retaliation for the U.S. support of Israel and its involvement in the Persian Gulf War, and additionally, there was some turmoil between us and them because of our military presence in the Middle East that they were not a fan of. And... Leading up to these attacks, as I mentioned, 19 terrorists were directly involved in the sense that they were on these four planes. And this varies throughout the planes. There were five members on three of them and four members on one other. At this point in the country, there was not as much of an intense process and security when going onto a flight. And because of this, these terrorists were able to bring 
box cutters and small knives through security at the airports. Some of them had been in the US for over a year. Some had came in a few months, couple months prior. And additionally, some of them had been taking flying lessons at um, American commercial flight schools in preparation for these attacks. I personally find it extremely insulting that they came here to learn how to fly only to then commit a terrorist attack on our country. It's, it's really sad that that's what they chose to do in the first place, but then the fact that they used American flight schools to learn how to fly is even, even more insulting, I think. Yeah, I'm guessing it's because, well, maybe one, because the flight schools here probably are a little bit better. I'm not sure. I guess that's an assumption I shouldn't make. But also with them coming into the country, it probably looks a little less sketchy if they're coming in without any of that kind of experience or knowledge or background. Now, as I mentioned, there were four flights that were involved in this. And these flights and specific planes were chosen because they were going cross-continental. And because of this, they would have a lot of fuel. And these flights include American Airlines Flight 11, United Airlines Flight 175, American Airlines Flight 77, and United Airlines Flight 93. So what I'm going to do and what Erica is going to do along with me is we're going to go through these different flights and what happened throughout the attack. So I'm going to talk about where the flights were going initially, when they took off, a little bit of the timeline, and where they ended up. And with that, we do have a couple stories and testimonies and information about the people on these specific flights that we're going to discuss. Another thing I'm going to go ahead and just say, I'm not going to go through and list the names of the terrorists and the attackers. I don't think, one, it's necessary for our story, and two, I just don't even want to What's the point in giving names to people who do that kind of stuff? Of course, if it is pertinent to telling the story and making the point, we'll do that. But I'm not going to go through and list those names. First, we'll talk about American Airlines Flight 77, which was a Boeing 757. And this was the flight that ended up hitting the Pentagon. It took off at 8.20 a.m. from Washington Dulles International Airport and was set to head to Los Angeles International Airport. It had... 58 passengers, and six crew members. Of these 58 passengers, five of them were terrorists. Around 8.50 to 8.54 a.m., so about 30 minutes after the plane took off, it ends up getting hijacked above Southern Ohio. The last routine radio communication that was made with this flight happened at 8.51 a.m., and so it is assumed that somewhere between 8.51 and 8.54 over eastern Kentucky, the hijackers initially made their move and were trying to get to the front of the plane. As I mentioned earlier, and we talked about some of these hijackers had taken flying lessons. So they're in theory, and all of the planes was at least one person who was a pilot, and then four or three others who could deal with the passengers and try to keep control of the situation. Following this, the plane just took an unauthorized turn southward. And then at a little bit later at 9 a.m., the plane turned eastward. And this was near the junction or where the states were connected at West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Something else interesting about some of these flights is because we're just hearing through maybe very little radio communication, there's not a ton known about exactly what was going on 
on the flights. Some of the stories have a little bit more information than the others, but basically what we're finding out is from people who track the planes and are watching them make these weird moves. We do have audio from the pilots and some of the passengers through phone calls. But what we know for this one specifically is that the hijacker refused to answer any of the radio messages coming in. And because of this, I'm like trying to figure out the entities who made these decisions. So at this point, military aircraft is dispatched to try and intercept the plane. Um, They're not 100% sure where it's going. And they're not answering and they know something's wrong because it is making all these unauthorized turns and changes. And then at 9.33 a.m., the flight turned south. And at this point, they kind of figured it was maybe heading towards Washington, D.C. And as we know, eventually the Pentagon. Secret Service in D.C. is notified and they're like, there's an aircraft coming your way. It's probably hijacked. Do with that what you will. Obviously, there's a lot of protocol that comes into place following this. But um, for those of you listening who either have heard about 9-11 or were there when it happened, this all happened very suddenly and abruptly. And it was kind of this big chaotic, what is happening? What's going to happen? Yeah, I think that, you know, the United States and all of these different groups had plans in place for how to respond to different terrorist attacks. But I don't know that anybody ever expected the terrorist attacks to be of this measure. And so when, you know, were quite literally being hit out of nowhere from left and right. They just didn't know what to do. And following their protocols were not necessarily the best answer in this time because it wasn't something that I think anybody had ever prepared for. Right. And something we're going to talk about later on is what has changed to be better prepared for this kind of situation. At 9.37, the airplane crashed into the western side of the Pentagon. From this, all 64 people on board were killed. Eventually, five stories of that western side of the Pentagon just collapsed. Obviously, there was a lot of fire um, with the fuel plane, the fuel from a plane, which is very combustible, hitting into a crashing into a building there was the collapsing the fire which would have led to more of the building collapsing and it was there was a lot of damage done from this when it was all said and done a little over a hundred military personnel and civilians were killed in the pentagon along with all of the 64 people that were on board some of these deaths are from personnel or other people trying to run into the building to save others. And I think that is an important note that we hear about with 9-11, specifically the Twin Towers. You hear about it a lot, how many personnel, uh, medics, firefighters, just people on the street were trying to help everyone. Eventually, when it's all said and done, a little under 200 lives total were lost, specifically from this Pentagon crash that day. United Airlines Flight 93 was a Boeing 757, and it departed from Newark International Airport, heading to San Francisco International Airport at 8.42 a.m. It had 37 passengers and seven crew members, with four of these passengers being terrorists from Al-Qaeda. Because the timing of this, at 9.24 a.m., an airline dispatcher warned United 93 about a cockpit intrusion and not five minutes later this flight is also hijacked while they're above northern Ohio. This flight had a little bit of a delay in taking off so 
passengers on board had actually heard about other hijackings and were aware of the situation maybe that was going to take off. This message that was sent came through a text message that was sent from Ed Ballinger, who was the dispatcher to pilot Jason Dahl. And it literally said, beware of any cockpit intrusion Two aircraft hit World Trade Center. And the pilot texted back and said, Ed, confirm the last message, please. And so there was a little bit of an idea of what was going on, but just not enough, but not enough of a notice to really do a whole lot about it. And as I mentioned, at 928, hijackers take over this flight. While the flight is about 35,000 feet above Ohio, the plane just suddenly lost 7,000 feet. And this is what occurred when the terrorists were attacking the cockpit. And you can actually hear on the transmission, the either the captain or the first officer yelling, mayday, yelling, get out of here. So you know some type of struggle is ensuing. And then we have a couple of messages from passengers. One passenger, Thomas Burnett Jr., had told his wife on the phone, I know we're all going to die. There's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey. And... You hear another passenger, Todd Beamer, say, are you guys ready? Let's roll on an open line. And so you guys probably know this hijacking in particular, the passengers on the plane were able to kind of take over and absolutely destroy the hijackers plans. I just want to point out the amount of courage that that probably took for the passengers on this plane to be able to make the decision that, you know, they knew they were probably going down either way and they decided to do something about it to make it a little less catastrophic. Right. And there's a great movie called Flight 93 that kind of covers this story. And it is, I think they really do it justice to show how impactful and how emotional and brave it is of these people. We also have a couple other communications from passengers and a flight attendant going to people discussing the situation, saying they're going to attack the hijackers. Um, There's one flight attendant who actually went and boiled hot water for them to use to attack the hijackers, which I thought was very clever. And once they rush the hijackers and they realize that they're not going to make it to their destination they were going for, they decide they're going to just crash the plane. And what they end up doing is pulling the control wheel very hard to the left, which caused the plane to fly upside down. And then it ended up crashing into the ground at a speed of 580 miles per hour. And it crashed into a field in Pennsylvania. Everybody on board was killed in the crash. And it's believed that this was intended for either the White House or the U.S. Capitol. So obviously we can't even state enough how many lives were likely saved because of the brave passengers on this plane. American Airlines Flight 11, which was a Boeing 767, was carrying 81 passengers and 11 crew members, and they departed from Logan International Airport in Boston and were heading to Los Angeles International Airport. They departed at 7.59 a.m., and of these 81 passengers, five of them were members of the Al-Qaeda terrorist group. At 8.13 a.m., Um, An air traffic controller had directed this flight to turn 20 degrees to the right, which the airplane acknowledged and did. And this was the last transmission that the flight responded to. 
a few more transmissions and instructions come through trying to reach the pilot, basically trying to figure out, is this plane hijacked? By 8.14 a.m., this flight is hijacked by the terrorist group. And within the next five to six minutes, it's transponders turned off and they're not able to even track where the plane is. We have some transmissions that come from this flight later on. Um, At 8.24 from the flight, we hear... We have some planes, just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're returning to the airport. And then the control at some point hears something that they can't make out, but they do hear we have some planes and they hear nobody move. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any moves, you'll endanger yourself in the airplane. Just stay quiet. And from this, they're going, okay, yes, definitely hijacked. That's not normal pilot communication. At 828, Boston Center had notified an FAA command center in Herndon, Virginia, that this flight had been hijacked and was heading towards um, New York airspace. And then following this, they hear another transmission come through and it's another of the nobody move. We're going to the airport. Don't make any stupid moves. That same kind of conversation that is probably not comforting to hear as Erica mentioned. The military is notified as well, but unfortunately I, 8.46 a.m., this flight crashes into the north face of the north tower of the World Trade Center, and it hits between floors 93 and 99. All the people aboard this flight were killed, and this left this huge hole near the 80th floor of the skyscraper, and it instantly killed a ton of people and trapped a lot of people that were on the floors above it as well. And just like with the Pentagon, you have the crash, all the initial issues coming from that, but then we also have the fire happening. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. One thing that is important to note about Flight 11 is two flight attendants that were aboard this flight who are pretty well known and you guys are probably familiar with, but that is Betty Ong and Amy Sweeney. And you can find some audio recordings of them calling into the American Airlines Reservation Center while they were on this plane. Basically, Betty Ong and Amy Sweeney were in the very back of the plane and they picked up their crew phones and like I said, they called the American Airline Reservation Center and told them, you know, some of the crew's been murdered and that hijackers had infiltrated the cockpit. And she explains to them that these are the seat numbers. This is what they look like. And they were on the phone for a little bit and then the phone call disconnected. So Amy called back and said, quote, listen to me and listen to me carefully, end quote. And then she started talking to somebody that worked there that she had known for many years. And she says, quote, Michael, this plane has been hijacked. And then gives him the seat locations of three of the hijackers, three of the five hijackers that were on the plane, seats 9D, 9G, and 10B. She tells him that they were of Middle Eastern descent and one spoke English very well. So because of the phone call from Betty and Amy, 
the American Airlines were able to have the names, the addresses, and other information on three of the five hijackers 20 minutes before the plane crashed into the North Tower, which really gave the FBI a jumpstart to their investigation so that they could start looking into it. And they were pretty quickly able to determine these terrorists and hijackers were part of Al-Qaeda. The final flight that was hijacked that day was United Airlines Flight 175, which was a Boeing 767, and it was carrying 56 passengers and nine crew members, five of which of the passengers were members of the Al-Qaeda group. They departed from Logan International Airport in Boston and were heading for Los Angeles International Airport. The flight took off at 8.14 a.m. and didn't end up actually being hijacked until 8.42, around 8.42 to 8.46 a.m. When it was hijacked, it was flying above northwest New Jersey. The controller who was at the New York Center that was tracking the American 11 flight was also tracking this United 175 flight. And around the same time that the American 11 flight crashed into the Twin Towers, United 175's transponder code started changing. And pretty quickly because of this the controller was able to notice that something was not right and this was likely going to be a similar situation this is the report that they ended up giving to an faa command center teleconference about this flight quote okay this is new york center we're watching the airplane i also had a conversation with american airlines and they've told us that they believe that one of their stewardesses was stabbed and that there were people in the cockpit that have control of the aircraft and that's all the information they have right now and at this point they were not even aware that the american airlines flight 11 had already crashed so they're getting information from the flight attendant that erica had just mentioned prior but they weren't aware that the twin towers had been hit at this point but they know something's going on they ask united airlines flight 175 to go back to the proper code but there's no response And they keep trying to reach out to them and get a response and they're getting nothing. It's at this point, um, around 8.53 a.m., that when this controller is talking to another controller, they hear about the plane that had already hit the Twin Towers. She then notifies New York Center that she's pretty sure United 175 has been hijacked. And basically, what I'm gathering from reading through these timelines is that there's a chain of people that this kind of thing goes through. And so getting the notifications through is a little difficult. Um, So as I mentioned, the controller contacted a New York Center manager, and then they were trying to contact regional managers, trying to discuss about this hijacked aircraft. And at this point, we already have the Twin Towers hit. And so it's just already a little too late into the game. But this flight is significant because throughout its course of it being hijacked is when they're realizing like there's a really big situation going on and it's probably not going to end well. At 9.03 a.m., Flight 175 crashes into the south face of the South Tower of the Twin Towers and it ends up hitting between floors 75 and 85 and all 65 people on board were killed. At 9.45 a.m., The U.S. airspace is shut down and all operating aircraft are ordered to land at the nearest airport. Eventually, as we know, both of the buildings in the Twin Towers end up collapsing. And this resulted in just a significant amount of loss for everybody who is involved with this attack. 
Join us back next week for part two to talk about the 9-11 terrorist attacks where we'll be going into the aftermath and what happened after the planes crashed. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.